Hey there, and welcome to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Jessica Vos, Vice President of Growth Marketing at Zimperium, a company that provides technology to help secure mobile devices and mobile applications for global enterprises and government agencies. And Jessica is here to talk with us today about creating an effective marketing strategy. So Jessica, hello and welcome. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Give us the real quick 30 second, maybe 45 seconds if you wanna go a little longer, just a little bit about you, who you are and what you do at Symperium. So I am sort of a more recent veteran in the cybersecurity realm in that I've only been in cybersecurity for the last six years. But I've spent my entire career doing communications, whether it was internal communications, sales communications, or more recently, content strategy, demand gen, and now growth marketing, where I also own aspects of customer and partner marketing. At Zimperium, currently I own demand gen, which includes obviously digital marketing, webinars. I own events and customer marketing and partner marketing. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We're just going to dive into our topic right now. We're talking about content strategy. And I want to start with what might seem like kind of a dumb question, but when we say content strategy, what does that actually mean? What is strategy in that context? Yeah, it definitely means something different to a lot of people. That's definitely something I've learned in my experience. For me, what content strategy means is that you're really paying attention to what you're saying, in what format, and where it goes and how it performs, right? I like to think of content as sort of the gas that fuels the demand gen engine and sales enablement efforts. I mean, it really fuels everything that you're doing as a marketer. And so if you don't actually establish sort of a foundational strategy, and I think a lot of people just skip past this step and respond to the immediacy and the urgency of we need to create a white paper, if you don't actually look at it from the bird's eye view of how that content is serving your business goals, where it's going, what it's saying, to whom is it answering, you know, the, the issues and the questions that those people are facing, then you're missing the mark. So strategy matters because, I mean, anyone can have content, right? And I think we all have seen examples of you go to a company's website, you're like, they have a bunch of content on here. Not sure if they have a coherent strategy behind it, right? So what's at stake there? Like if you don't have a content strategy, what's the problem there? Yeah, if you don't have content strategy, then you're A, you're pumping out a bunch of stuff. You're using a lot of internal resources. It's not reaching the intended audience. It's not telling them what they actually need to hear or what they're actually looking to learn about your company. And therefore, it's not actually serving any purpose. I've seen the case where there's a lot of really wonderful content, but there's nothing tying it all together. I mean, I've seen a lot of companies with a huge inventory of really great content, but there was no sort of connective tissue tying it all together. And that also is a problem, right? Because if you're reading a white paper and it doesn't look like the solution brief, the data sheet, the blog, the website, and there's nothing tying it all, you know, all together, then that's not really a brand experience for your audience. Brand experience. And I mean, we could probably even use like, the term content experience, right? It's not just the information, but it's the experience of interacting with the white paper or a webinar or whatever it is. That's right. Yeah. The content experience, it's just an arm of your overall company's brand experience, and it has to serve and support and align to that brand experience. So let's get specific about Zimperium and sort of how your specific approach to content strategy and content experience 
at Zimperium. So kind of take us through like from when you first started and how you've built that out, kind of that journey that you've gone on to really strengthen the the content strategy and the experience. Yeah, you bet. So actually the last three companies that I've been at, when I walked in, there was sort of you know, a grouping of content that had been generated. Some of it had performed really well. Some of it had not, but there was no single inventory. So one central place where all of that content was organized. In a lot of cases, you're going to have the SC team, the sales team, they have their own content. The marketing team thinks they have the inventory of content somewhere and nobody knows how to find everybody else's stuff, right? So generally it's like, I come in and I say, okay, where's the inventory of content? Where is the single central place and source of truth for where we store and track all of that content? And that's really the first step. And then second of all, once you do that inventory, what are all those formats that have been used? What What is that sort of way that all of your content is laid out? Why were those formats chosen, right? What purpose are they serving and for what intended audience at what stage of the sales funnel? And we'll talk a little bit more about that maybe if we get into tagging. And then once you have that inventory, you can then identify what your taxonomy really is. And a taxonomy is what are all the different content formats that you are producing, have produced, and are willing to produce, right? And outlining what each is intended to be used for. So then inventory, taxonomy, and then once you have sort of the formats and the inventory, you can identify who each of those is intended for. Are there personas? Are there products, solutions? And this is where the tagging comes in. But that allows you to do then a gap analysis, right? What is a gap analysis and how do you do it and why is it a good thing to do? Right. So this is this is kind of foundational to the content strategy. You have to understand whether or not you have all of the right content that's speaking to the right themes, to the right products and solutions you're trying to sell to the right audiences in terms of personas, that it's in the right formats where they would be looking for it based on, you know, how personas are researching for, you know, your solutions. You know, is it in the right stage of the sales funnel? Is it more top of funnel content? Things like infographics, things like white papers that are more sort of thought leadership or just tidbits of you know, data, et cetera? Or is it middle of the funnel where it goes into more technical detail or it's further down the evaluation phase? Or is it, you know, bottom funnel content, case studies and things that get into more of like the business case when they're, you know, in stage four, depending on how long you're, or how you kind of break down the stages of your sales funnel. So all of those aspects are ways and different ways of analyzing and bucketing out your content. Once you have kind of a mapping out of each individual piece of content along those vectors, you can say, we've got a lot of top of funnel content here, but we don't have a lot of middle of funnel content, or we have no bottom of funnel content, or we have a ton of content, you know, in my case, like, look at this, we have so much content for CISOs, chief information security officers, and we have nothing for your, you know, in, in the trenches, in the security operations center, SOC manager on a daily basis, when you know, looking at some of our deals that have closed recently, like those people are hugely influential in the buying decisions. So that's how you do the gap analysis. You determine where are their gaping holes just in sort of a matrix format where you say, we probably need more content that fits that bill from that angle. And without doing that analysis, you might just not see that. You might just not know. And you're missing, you're missing out on opportunities to engage prospects along their buyer's journey instead of just all at the top or all at the bottom or whatever. Exactly. And I've seen this a lot. And I think this is a very common experience where people say, like, we're generating a ton of content and people feel like they're constantly busy and they're meeting the, you know, quote unquote needs of the business. 
But you have to do that analysis along the buyer's journey. So each of the stages, but you also have to understand that there may be holes that you're not seeing in terms of where you're speaking to certain topics for certain people. You can't just get caught up in like, we're meeting our quota of four blog posts a month or whatever, and then feel like, cool, we're doing our job and we're succeeding. Like, well, maybe not. And I mean, again, the content strategy fuels everything. So when you're doing program design and when you're executing on integrated marketing frameworks and you have all of these different tactics that you use to get that content to its intended audience, it becomes pretty clear that like if we don't have a video, if we don't have, you know, a quick white paper, et cetera, then you're not seeding that channel in your program design. And so that's, you know, it's a top down versus a bottom up way of looking at it. But I think when you're getting started with content strategy, doing that inventory, doing that taxonomy is really fundamentally important to being able to to proceed with a lot of good information on what needs to be done. Okay. So when you're in a situation kind of like what you've described, you know, let's say you're a marketing leader and you come to a company and you see like, okay, we need to build out a strategy here. That's kind of what we're lacking. What are some things not to do? You know, what are some common pitfalls that you should look out for and and ideally avoid? A lot of the time where I've fallen into similar patterns is, okay, great. This person generates a lot of content and you don't know, like, are they on the product team? Are they on the SE team? Are they on the sales team? And thinking like, well, that's reliable. I know they can, I can always go to them and get them to produce content. The problem is then everything, A, that's a huge, you know, stopgap to your pipeline of content because one person alone, unless that's their dedicated job, and usually it isn't, cannot produce all the content. But also then you don't get a mix of voices. You don't get a mix of different perspectives because just like you're writing to certain personas from your external audience standpoint, if you're only sourcing your content from one single persona within your company, whether it be product sales, you know, executive leadership or someone on the marketing team, you're also going to kind of fall into that situation where you've only got kind of one perspective content that you're generating. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is getting too heavy on graphic design resources and feeling like you need, you know, a team of eight graphic designers in order to produce everything that you want to produce. Things can be done really rinse and repeatably with smaller amounts of graphic design resources, where if you just have, you're paying for like stock photography and you have a library of images that you can reuse and repeat, that's often okay in the beginning, you know? So I don't want anyone to feel like I need like a whole huge graphic design team and I need an in-house video production team in order to like get a content strategy off of the ground because, you know, you can definitely outsource videos and often I think it's better to outsource to video agencies. I think a third thing to keep in mind is that not every request for content should be treated with equal care and urgency or even follow through with. The problem is you need to, you know, get in there, demonstrate credibility, understanding of your existing inventory in order to be able to push back in an informed manner. But we've all been in this situation. If you work in marketing, you've heard somebody say, you know what you guys ought to do? <laughs> you ought to do, you know, like a white paper, or like presentation or this or that, or, you know, often it's like whatever the latest fun gadget or tool is. And we ought to be doing that. And not every request needs to be treated with the same amount of attention and urgency, right? And you just need to develop the ability, the inventory, the knowledge of what you've got 
as well as the business goals that you're serving with, you know, that content in order to be able to push back in a well-informed and, and well-reasoned manner, right? And that sounds like that goes back to what we were talking about with the strategy, that that's part of the point of having a strategy is that, does this align with the strategy or not? Is this going to move us further toward our goals or not? And there, you have to know what that, what that actually means in order to say, yes, let's make that piece of content or no, now is not the right time. Exactly. And that's why, you know, it, content always works really, really closely with product marketing because you need to have that sort of product marketing perspective on what we need to be saying in what area in sort of conjunction with that gap analysis to say, okay, here's where I see the, the holes. Do you guys feel that on the product marketing side that this is, you know, a priority? And then that helps you to prioritize your project list from a content standpoint and say, again, you know, I, thank you for your request. We'll evaluate this later. But right now, these are the priority projects for us. Yeah. Okay. The ability to say no sometimes, because I'm sure every marketing team deals with just not, if you don't do that, you can easily just be totally overwhelmed and swamped. Yeah. And it's hard to know which ends up and what's the most important thing to be focused on. Right. Just because somebody asks for a thing doesn't mean it's necessary or that they, or that they're right, that they actually need it right now. And so it's part of the duty, the responsibility of marketing to be to think strategically that way, not just be order takers. You bet. Because I mean, you know, we do in the marketing organization, we often house a lot of the internal resources that people want access to, right? For various reasons. And so it's really hard to constantly feel like you're saying no, but it's also really hard to be saying yes to everything. And then seeing that, you know, take its toll on the team of people who are working to try and churn out the content and not not sure, not confident of what impact it's actually having for the business. Have you found in your experience, you know, when you do that, when you, someone asked for a piece of content and you push back a little bit and say like, no, essentially, like, we're not going to do that right now. Have you found that you need to kind of make the case for why you can say no? Because I can see from the person asking, they might be like, what do you mean? No, like, this is our thing. We need it. We know our business. Just do it you know, marketing. And as marketing, you're thinking like, well, no, actually, we're not just like marketing monkeys, like order takers. Like we actually have some strategic business insight into how content works and why. You know, but I can, I could see how there could be miscommunication there. You know what I mean? Like to what extent have you found that you kind of need to educate people, other aspects of a business about just what, how marketing works or how, how it ought to work and kind of your, the strategic value you can add. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> I feel like on a weekly basis, I'm having to educate, re-educate folks on like, okay, but remember we've talked about this and these are the programs we're running with these themes to meet these business challenges with these value propositions for these audiences. So I, I do it from that angle and I remind them, you know, again, here's the plan that I have shared with you. And this is why, again, we felt like these were the priorities at the time. And this does not serve any of those programs, those themes or those business challenges. So that's one way to push back. A second way is to just like level it out and say, OK, if I do this, if we prioritize this, please understand that these three other things won't get done. Are you OK with that? Like we're trading one thing for these three things. Now, what would you recommend? Is this more important than these three other things in terms of, you know, driving business right now? Another way of doing it is, do you need this content or is there another way of getting this message across that's more acute 
and targeted to this specific situation. Because a lot of the time, obviously, a lot of these content requests are for like a single account that we're trying to land, right? And they think, okay, if it doesn't come in sort of the marketing format, it doesn't look official enough, you know? And so they're trying to to achieve something that probably could be an email or a good presentation that would be far easier to throw together in, you know, an hour rather than going through the cycles and the approval that's required for, you know, official marketing content to be generated, for instance. And so that's part of the education too, right? Just remember our SLAs for a data sheet, a solution brief, a white paper, a podcast are like two to three weeks. So what you're asking for is important. And we understand that you think it's important to close this business, but can you wait two to three weeks for it? <laughs> because, you know, that's kind of the, the process in terms of what goes into the workflow to produce this type of content. Right. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And it, I think it makes me realize, but tell me if I'm on the right track, that an important part of a marketing strategy then is having open channels of communication with other people who are not in marketing, but that who you collaborate with to help them understand your marketing strategy and to build a strategy that's going to optimize how you work with them and ultimately help them, even if it's in ways that they don't, that, that's a little counterintuitive. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I came from a place where I was trained, actually, my first few job experiences were really internal communications and sales communications. So this, this hits very close to home for me, because I understand and I value the art and science of internal communication, but it's really hard to do, you know, effectively and really well all of the time, right? We're all so busy taking care of our tasks and, and fulfilling our business responsibilities. It's hard to remember that you need to actively and proactively communicate with all of the various stakeholders across the business. And there are some, you know, content marketing platforms that help to automate these types of things. It's built into the workflow that, you know, once their content request has been accepted, they get a notification or once it's been published, they get a notification. That's the easiest way to do it. But of course, that stuff costs money and requires people to to manage those platforms. So it's one of those things, you know, I'd say, to be honest, we struggle continuously about who should be included in the beginning and the planning stages of a piece of content. Who has to sign off on this being a priority? Because that's also a, a sticky business, right? Should there be sort of toll gates within each team for who signs off on, yes, marketing, go ahead with this request. I think it's the right one from our team. And then who needs to be brought in on review cycles um, so that you're not you're not just reviewing everything as a committee of 10 people who are all you know, undoing and redoing each other's Google edits. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which can just, which can mean that the content is never finished and just never gets published because everyone has a say and, and yeah. Yeah. So it is, it's a constant struggle to, you know, keep all of those people in the loop, make sure you're, you know, bringing people in at the right time in the project, the implementation, the review cycles, the final approvals given, but it's also... It's one of those things where at every standpoint when they're bringing new people in or there are new employees who get brought into the mix, you are going to have to continuously re-educate them on what your criteria are for evaluation, what your process is, what the workflow looks like, what the SLAs are for every stage of that process. And it does, it gets exhausting. I mean, this whatever strategy you sort of finalize or put in place is not a static thing, right? It's going to keep evolving and keep changing as your audience changes and evolves one year down the line, five years down the line. So it's not like it's a one and done thing. 
No, that's really, really good. It's a really good point to emphasize because once you're done with it, it's not done. It's a living, breathing creature that is closely associated with your brand. And it's another good reason to, you know, if it feels a little bit like an ad hoc one-off content project to say, hey, remember, we're going to have to update and maintain this over time. So is this something that you're going to want to live for six months, for a year, for two years? And, you know, like a puppy, are you signing up to help us maintain it and <laughs> keep it fed and, and, you know, healthy? Well, look, there, there's, I have a lot more questions, but we're going to have to wrap this up. So maybe we'll, we'll have to have you back on the show because there's, I feel like in some ways you only scratch the surface, but Jessica, thank you so much for an awesome conversation. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, you bet. Thank you so much. It was really fun. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.